Hello everybody, it is Tuesday, February the 20th at uh, half past 11 in the evening. Uh, we're going to do a little uh, relaxed wander through media space and uh, the target is the non-aligned movement version 2. Or perhaps uh, the multipolar world, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and we're going to take a little tour of uh, the, um, the death of uh, Alexei Navalny uh, and the Munich Security Conference uh, to approach the topic. So first of all, if you're interested in seeing the uh, pantomime that was the Munich Security Conference, you can have a look here on YouTube for uh, Deutsche Welle News have published a, um, yeah, a few the live stuff and it's like four hours and 11 hours and da 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 so um so that's where the data is if you want it and trust me it's interminably suffering to go through it <laughs> and of course the big lead up was oh my god this one uh so navalny death stuns munich really stunned everybody except his wife uh i'm sorry to be a bit um nasty about this and the guy died in custody which is never a good thing uh, but as you've if you've listened to the Week in Review, I consider the guy, he's a stooge of military intelligence, an idiot and a criminal. So what are you going to get? So but this was the big, the big news, right, uh, with the Munich Security Conference. So it completely dominated the headlines. I did Politico, right, and then off we go to Munich, sorry, Munich, off to uh, uh, foreign policy. And here they are, the same, no, it shocks the world, blah, 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 blah. And I had a look at this article for, because it's, you know, why not see what the the foreign policy blob are saying? Because this is their newsletter, basically, <laughs> the foreign policy blob. So I thought, all right, uh, yeah, what's up? And um, and then I spotted this. I mean, oh, here's the program for Saturday. And I looked down this and, you know, and a quote of the day. But hang on a minute. What was that? Oh, here we go. 4 p.m. And there's a session titled Fighting Fatigue whatever it takes for Ukraine's victory. And I thought, all right, that might be a bit of fun. So that was where I headed. But before we get to that, there's the issue of, of uh, Navalny. Uh, and I just thought this titling by, uh, by John Helmer was too good. <laughs> what happened to Alexei Navalny this time around? And I, I'm, I did include in the Week in Review the article by... Um, Gilbert Doctorow, uh, which, you know, <laughs> he, he basically goes, the Brits did it. Uh, and it was interesting because that's actually been mentioned by, uh, I think it was uh, Larry Johnson on the most recent version, or most recent discussion between he and Napolitano on Dodging Freedom. So there we go, the, the words got out. Um, anyway, so, I mean, I think if you if you look into this, the, it's, a, it's a cool bono thing. The first thing is, and it was pointed out by um, uh, Christopher that uh, within 15 minutes of the announcement going up on the prison's website that Navalny had died, the first of the issuances of a tweet or equivalent by a national political leader came out blaming Putin. And then they just go, it's a, it's a rolling sequence. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, on it goes. Every member of NATO comes out and goes, it was, it was Putin. <laughs> before there's an autopsy, anything, before they knew anything about the whole damn thing. So, so that's just the mighty Wurlitzer doing its thing. Um, but the question is, 
the natural question is, okay, cool bono, who benefits? Like, wh- what's the advantage to, to um, the Russian president um, killing this guy who's in prison? I mean, the, his maximum popularity ever was like 2 or 3%. It was higher in, around Moscow. Um, but nationally, that was the maximum. There was no political threat to, to Putin at all. I mean, he's got 70 to 80% approval rating. Nobody is a threat to him. So the whole thing just makes no sense at all. Anyway, so moving right along to that, let's get on to the Munich Security Conference and particularly that section on um, Ukraine and, and what's going on there. And it was whilst I was looking at this that I came, I was looking for uh, something by Pelosi and I didn't actually find what I was looking for. Uh, but sometimes, you know, if you go hunting, you find things. And I came across this... Uh, section that I'm about to play for you, uh, which I have actually in, I've transcribed it <laughs> to speak about it. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit tricky because I'm going to have to intercut the audio from the original video so that it doesn't sound terrible. Uh, so I'm just going to have to play through this bit and uh, we'll see how I do with the intercut and video editing, which is not my uh, forte, to put it mildly. So here we go. This is good old Pelosi. So we have to gear up to win this. Victory is the only option. And then be ready for whatever they think they're doing next. What I've heard today in meetings was that Russia has more people in the military now than at the beginning, the beginning of the uh, Ukraine uh, invasion. And they will continue to do so. And where do they get them? They buy them. They go through the countryside where people don't have very much money or resources and they pay them more to go to war. They've, you know, they've used up so many people in prison, they used up people in the the minority communities and now they're going to the countryside. And they have mercenaries. And that takes me to the other point about the sanctions. We must keep, honor the sanctions because the sanctions give them the money to pay for this war and build their military even further. They're getting much more... So, if you actually transcribe that and then read it, what you recognize is that, first of all, she's saying um, there's only one result, and that's victory, and that obviously is going to continue to destroy Ukraine. Um, And also, that's not an achievable result. So, she's advocating... insanity. That's the first thing. And then she goes on this um, exposition of, first of all, she's right that Russia now has more uh, people under arms than it did to begin with. And that's because, all right, this is a problem, they need to deal with it. And uh, then uh, if you listen to it, it's, oh, they're hunting around the countryside for all these poor people that don't have any money and therefore they're joining the military and that's how they're... Which... If you think about it, that's actually a description of the U.S. <laughs> recruitment strategy. They have their, you know, recruitment people go to these, uh, you know, school, high schools and whatever in, in uh, poor areas and encourage people to uh, join the military as a way out of poverty, basically. You know, you can join the military and you'll get an education in whatever it is and so forth. And so it's a projection. So point two is pure projection, actually, because I believe that an awful lot of the people who are joining the Russian military are doing so out of national service. They see the threat and they do not want their nation to be ripped asunder and carved up into pieces so that it can then be controlled by some foreign entity. 
they actually learnt a lot from the 90s. They know their history very well. Anyway, so, so the, the whole, and then she goes on about the sanctions. You know, we have to, have to do this and da-da-da-da, when in fact, the, the, what's happened due to the sanctions is that Russia has converted its economy to be independent of the West. And it's like, thank you very much, and no, thank you very much. See you later. So what, what she's delivering is just trollop. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's insane, it's projection, <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, yeah, backwards. But the point is that I'm trying to get to is that this is just one event. This is the Munich Security Conference, which used to be an important thing. Uh, and if you care to go through it, I found one section on this entire day that was actually interesting where it was the, def- the German defence minister along with the defence ministers from Singapore and Tanzania. And the, the gentleman from uh, Singapore ha- has obviously been a diplomat. He speaks very carefully and he points out loaded questions and so forth. And the lady from Tanzania is fantastic. She basically takes the question that's sent at her and, and, and repositions it. Instead of talking about you know, global crisis or whatever, she's saying, hang on a minute. We have an issue. We, we, we've got, you know, there's this global stuff going on, but we actually have a national thing, you know, and we're, we're trying to prioritise uh, our government towards supplying the population with things that they need, like housing and water and education, food. And, you know, this is where we're coming at it, which is, I think, a, speaking from the position of a defence minister, that's a very insightful approach to defence, <laughs> food, <laughs> housing, water, etc. Right? So defending her people from the ravages of, of foreign um, economic abuse. Anyway, so there are in this shit show the old piece of actually very interesting commentary, but it's not coming from the big wigs you, as you'd expect. Right? It's coming from the periphery. And that actually speaks to where I want to take this, because this is not the only event that's going on. There's something else of great interest that you, I'm certain, have not heard about going on, which is quite interesting, and that gets us to the to the non-aligned movement version to the multipolar world thing. However, to get there, what we also need to understand is that there is a counter to this thing that we're going to get to, which is also happening, which is just great, blows my mind. So here's this. This is the Free Russia Forum. The 12th Free Russia Forum will be held in Vilnius, said they, on the 2nd of February, and it will be held on the 23rd and 24th, which is in a few days from now. And now we get to the thing that I want to uh, bring to your attention, and that is that in Moscow, (laughs) there is a gathering of more than 50 nations, and what they're discussing is (laughs) anti-colonialism. And... Here is the announcement from the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Russian Federation about the transcript of the speech which their most amazing foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, gave to the gathering. So here we go. So it's sort of echoing a little bit the, the, um, uh, you know, the stage and so forth, which you'd see at the Munich Security Conference. But compare the rooms. Look at this. It's absolutely gorgeous. And so everybody's sitting around and, and I mean, let me just indulge. Let me just, I mean, apart from the, you know, greetings, which is nice. He makes a nice little joke about, you know, the fact that it's freezing cold out there, but our warm hospitality should welcome you and so forth. But look at this. 
Over the last three decades, there's been a model of globalization engineered by the US and its closest allies, which has proved to be untenable. Western countries have led humanity not to prosperity, but to one of the most acute international crises since the Second World War. The conflict space in which the world is expanding, so the conflict space in the world is expanding, and a deep split between the West and the countries of the global majority is emerging. After the Soviet Union departed the world stage, the West began to impose its rule-based order, in fact, its undivided dominance in economics, finance, politics and culture. The Golden Billion enthusiastically embarked on a neo-colonial development of the post-Soviet space along with the countries of the global South and East. And on it goes. And please do, have a look. This is... Yeah. I mean, following the, the, um, the, the adage of read what they say. Because, of course... This is not ad lib or off the cuff. This is Sergei Avrov delivering a speech which has been carefully written to be heard by the delegates to the conference. And I'm sure that he's gone over it very carefully to make sure that it's been well written. Anyone who put rubbish in there, he's ticked them off. Because <laughs> I'm sure he knew exactly what he wanted to say, but he didn't have time to write the entire thing. Anyway, so that's that. So we've got the Munich Security Conference on one hand doing its essentially issuance of um, a propaganda and rhetoric uh, aligned with the sort of the, the EU, NATO, US power block, which now, as we know, you know, symbolised by the G7, is subservient to BRICS, right? <laughs> five, which was five and is now ten. So the, the imbalance is there for anyone to see. And it's also an imbalance in terms of the the performative. The Munich Security Conference is theatre, really, it is. Whereas this is actually very serious. And what are they discussing? They're discussing colonialism and neo-colonialism and the now uh, collective response to it as represented by the groups of which I've been speaking for some time, being the SEO and BRICS, or BRICS 10 as it's called now. So that was what I was trying to bring to your attention. That on the one hand, you've got this crazy woman Pelosi delivering this just the projection and stupidity and insanity on the, you know, the, the stage of the Munich Security Conference and <laughs> compare that with Lavrov delivering very well-constructed, again, political rhetoric, but, but rhetoric that is meaningful to the delegates, the 50 delegates that are attending this conference on essentially anti-colonialism. And here's the title. Forum of Supporters of the Struggle Against Modern Practices of Neocolonialism. The Fight for the Freedom of Nations, right? Forum. This is what's going on. Security theatre and political propaganda in Munich. Or this much more serious event in Moscow. And with that, have a good day.